This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the Contact Center Coach. When I look back through the rear view mirror at my life, I'm pretty sure that it's not crystal clear. I'm sure there are many parts of it that are very, very hazy. But one of the areas that's not very hazy is when I look back and take a look at at the way my parents raised me. My mom and my dad did a really great job in raising me. At least that's my perspective and perception. I wish that my kids would say the same thing, but I'm sure I haven't done as good of a job with my kids as my parents did with me. I recognize the fact that I'm very, very blessed for that and that not everyone can say that. But like most parents, they weren't perfect and they did make a pretty huge mistake in my sophomore year of high school. And simply put, up to that point, up to my sophomore year in high school, I was really good in school. Uh, I was really active in sports as well, and, but I, I really did well in school. I was in all the top classes. I got really uh, great grades, got you know, mostly A's and mostly B's, and that pretty much was the way it went until my sophomore year, and it was really in the spring of my sophomore year, and so as a result of the fact that I was doing really well, my, my parents weren't watching my quizzes. They weren't watching my tests. They were just waiting for my report card and hopefully the really nice comments that my teachers made over the course of the years. Well, my dad had a rule in place that if I ever got below a B minus, I could not play sports. That the moment I got below a B minus, I was done. And up until that point, not an issue. In the spring of my sophomore year, baseball season started and I started in the junior varsity, but very quickly I got promoted to varsity and not only got to promoted to varsity, but I got to play as well. And so I got a report card that came out and on that report card, I got a C plus. Now, my dad was in a really tough position, and I thought I was in a disastrous position, right? I think I'm done. Baseball's over with. But the reality was my dad, I think, really wanted me to play varsity baseball, maybe even more than I did. But because he wasn't keeping up to date, because he wasn't checking on my tests and my quizzes, he didn't recognize and didn't see the fact that I was slowly starting to slide. So... He made the decision to allow me to stay in baseball with a lot of threats that I needed to get my, my grades up. And uh, the reason was because if he had stopped me, I, I was done for the season. I wouldn't have gotten to play. So I, I've certainly appreciated the decision. And of course, I think he did as well because I had a great sophomore year. When the next semester ended, though, I got a C instead of a C+. Well, he'd already made the decision once. We had the summer that went on. I got into my junior year, my senior year, and all of a sudden I went from mostly A's and B's to almost predominantly C's. So something that he had not been measuring made it really difficult for him to manage. And yes, you could go back and say maybe he should have, you know, just, you know, stopped me from sports or didn't let me play in the fall. I did figure it out in my first year of college. I didn't get into the college that I really wanted to get into. I just didn't have good enough grades. So my selections were very slim. 
Unlike, I think if you listen to my podcast from last week, my daughter, every college she applied to, she got in. I didn't get into very many of the colleges that I, I applied to. But my, my freshman year, I tried out for the varsity baseball team in college. I was cut. So I did two things. I transferred and I started to actually study and got great grades after that. So it was really, it really helped that I got cut because I then turned it around and started to go to school because I'm clearly not a professional baseball player now, nor did I ever have the talent or the skill to ever be a professional baseball player. The reason that I tell you this story is, is that the term, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, is a pretty significant term in contact centers. I know you've heard it. The very first time I heard it was from the great Bill Durr. And Bill has since retired, I'm pretty sure, but one of the smartest, brightest people when it comes to contact centers. He was a a brilliant industry spokesman. There's probably some past material out out there on him, but he was the first person that I ever heard the term, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And today in podcast 109, that's exactly what I want to talk about, is if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, but I want to focus specifically on engagement. Do you have a culture that embraces engagement? And if your first response to that is, well, yes, of course we do. We embrace engagement. We talk about it. We're an engagement organization. Are you really? Is it something that you talk about all the time? Do you measure it as well? Do you reward for it? Is it it something that you trust? Engagement as a key cornerstone of your culture is something that can make dramatic impact on your contact center. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. And if you're going to have a culture of engagement, then there's three things that need to happen. It needs to be measured. It needs to be done with quality. And we need to recognize and acknowledge the impact that it has. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through what it takes to have a culture that embraces engagement. You know, we all can embrace and accept the fact that working in a contact center on the front line can be a pretty crappy job. I mean, it's not extraordinarily high pay by any stretch of the imagination. It's stressful. In today's world, it can be really, really lonely. And that feeling of isolation, that feeling of stress makes the job for the most part pretty crappy. So the question is, why are these people staying with you? Why do these people stay in these jobs? More than likely, they're staying because they enjoy their peers. They're connected to you or whoever their leader is. They're connected to the company. They're connected to their customers. They're actually pretty good at their job, and they get a lot of encouragement and recognition. They feel like they fit in, and they fit in because they're because you've got a culture that's engaging them, that shows them, and allows them to see where they fit in. They're hearing about their impact. We're measuring their impact. And it's a place where they can actually leave awake and make a difference. So let's walk through numbers, quality, and impact. First up is numbers. If you're measuring engagement, you're measuring the numbers. And the first place that you measure that is with supervisor one-on-ones. I know you're doing them. Are you doing them once a week or are you doing them twice a month? Anything less than that, and that's not a best practice. Twice a month, once a week. Length of time, completely up to you. Obviously, a longer period of time 
if you're doing them every two weeks than if you're doing them every week. But it's really, really important that the one-on-ones with your supervisors or your leads or whatever you're doing them with, with your frontline is non-negotiable in the sense that you always have them. Nothing comes in the way of them. And I'm specifically talking about high volume, high volume days where you cancel one-on-ones. Now, I'm okay with you canceling the one-on-ones if it's within the span of what your measurement is. So if we do one-on-ones every week and we normally do it on a Tuesday for Joe, we can do it on a Thursday or Wednesday or Friday, but we're going to have that one-on-one with Joe that week. And if we're doing it every couple of weeks, similar circumstances. So we may move them, but we never eliminate them. We never, ever miss them. But it's one of the ways that you measure that you have a culture of engagement is that you don't move them. You don't cancel them. Second one is that you measure supervisor shout outs and comments and connections. This is all about finding somebody doing something right. And you should measure how often your supervisors reach out and connect with your employees, whether it's a shout out or, or some sort of a comment that they make on something that they've done. I know legacy achievements are an excellent example of something that we can make comments or connections on. You should measure those connections. We actually help our clients measure the, the shout outs and their comments and their connections with the employees because what we find is we, we may have a lot of them, but there's only certain supervisors that are doing it. And more importantly, we also have some supervisors that do it for some, but don't do it for others. You've heard me talk about roses, daisies, and weeds. We need to find weeds doing something right as well, along with daisies who we have a tendency to ignore. It's pretty easy with the superstars, but we need to be finding and acknowledging and commenting and shouting out for every one of our employees by every supervisor. We need to make sure that we've got agent-to-agent connection that we're measuring. Are, are your reps reaching out? Do you have the ability to do peer shout-outs, discretionary games, any sort of participation contest, anything that allows our peer-to-peer to show connections as well? Because that's another thing that we want to measure because it shows us discretionary connection. When a rep reaches out and, and does a peer-to-peer recognition or challenges someone else to a peer-to-peer game... That discretion on their part is not something that just automatically happens. They're not automatically signed up to it. It gives them a chance to show that they're purposeful. They're doing their own engagement. That's something that you should be measuring and keeping track of the numbers on. And then certainly employee feedback. Yes, we should be doing employee feedback, employee surveys, employee pulses every month. You know, we provide our clients with seven distinct questions that we measure every month, which allows us to be able to make that connection and know exactly where people are. It's really, really important that you see where your people are, especially by tenure. If Jane has been around for seven years and Jane scores us poorly on recognition, you know, she feels recognized for the things that she's done. But Jane for seven years has always given us a low score, but she really does a great job. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about Jane. But Howard, on the other hand, has only been with us a month or two. If they give us a poor grade, that's somebody that we need to watch out for. So we need to make sure that we're engaging with our employees by getting employee surveys, employee pulse checks, and we need to be doing those monthly. It's the same thing with daily quizzes and daily coaching tips. 
We need to make a commitment for engaging our employees to build their skills and their information. And you do that through quizzing. You do that through coaching tips. You obviously also do that with education and learning. And I also believe that you ought to have electives for your employees as a way to engage them as well, especially career path electives. And you should find time to be able to do that. But daily quizzing and coaching shows that you have a culture of engagement in the areas of learning and skills, information and skills. And then finally, in the area of numbers, we need to be able to have customer comments that are getting into employees' hands as quickly as possible. Speed counts. The faster that you can get customer comments into your front line's hands, the better chance you have of increasing engagement, increasing culture, because they're going to hear directly from their customers. So if we're measuring those with the numbers, we then have to do this with quality, which means that I need to have leaders that know how to coach. Do you know how to coach? I don't know what level you are that's listening to this podcast. You need to know how to coach and you also need to know how to be coached. One-on-one coaching, whether it's at the frontline level or anywhere up up the ladder in your organization needs to be relevant, it needs to be timely, and it needs to have significant acknowledgement in it, which means that we need to know how to, to listen and acknowledge and redirect and affirm and reward and recognize and challenge and discipline that comes with having an understanding of how to coach. And it's something that we need to do with quality. We need to be really good at coaching. If you're a BPO and there are not other BPOs that are trying to steal your your frontline supervisors, then you don't have great supervisor programs. People ought to be trying to steal your folks because you're doing such a great job of training them that they are such high caliber and capability that they're actually able to drive and change the performance of your frontline employees. That is their entire job. And that's one of the ways that you measure and figure out whether you have a successful program. If you don't, you need to look for help. It's an area of quality that you need to have an engagement because I can't engage and have my supervisors and leaders engaging if they don't know how to do it. Next up, one of the other attributes is a measurement of customer words. And you've heard this from me before. You need to measure the pantheon of customer words. You need to measure and keep track of Hire, hire Susie, give Susie a raise, clone Susie. I can hear the smile in Susie's voice. You need to make a big deal out of your employees achieving all four of these. This is the pantheon of customer feedback. An employee that's able to get each one of those once in a year is a big deal. Matter of fact, if you're a chief operating officer or CEO of a BPO, or you're an executive leader in your contact center, if one of your employees achieves these four things, you should call them. You should write them a letter. It makes a difference. And you'll find that, that a lot of your employees will have a number of them, but they may not have, they may not have all of them. Collecting all four of them is really unique and, and really tough to do. And you know, another one that's a great measurement, it's not in the pantheon, but very, very significant, is how often do your customers actually provide you feedback with the name of the employee? When, when you get feedback that says, hey, George was really spectacular, or I, I really enjoyed Catherine, uh, she did a great job, you know, or a hire Catherine. When, when, when a client uses your employees' names, it means that your employees made a connection with them. It, it's small, but it really is unique. And, you know, we run word clouds for our clients and sometimes we'll see word clouds that'll have Jim like 15 times and you're wondering, why is Jim mentioned 15 times? Well, it's one singular rep 
that the client over time with comments has mentioned Jim 15 times. That's a really big, big deal. Those customer words really make a difference. And of course, with the quality comes to highlighting those, uh, those customer comments because whether you repeat them or showcase them or repeat them again, whether they happen today, yesterday, five days or five years ago, words change behavior. Customers' words are really, really impactful. And your measurement of those customer words, your memorializing of those customer words makes a big difference in showing that you have embraced engagement that it's something that's a part of your culture. So I would encourage you to memorialize customer comments and keep track of them and work with them in your organization. And, and it's so simple to do. And if you're an organization that doesn't actually collect customer comments, I would encourage you to collect customer comments. If you're somebody that does an IVR, you know, put a question in there that says, listen, if you'd like to leave some notes, uh, then turn them into speech to text that'll turn them into text so that you can keep track of them, you can measure sentiment in them, you can do all those things. We do that for our clients and it really helps you to find those gems that you can use to, to bring in new employees with and point to and remind employees that have been around for a while that this is what we're looking for. These are the type of things that we're, that we're looking to have occur in our organization. And then if, if I've got the numbers and if I've got the quality, the final area is, is just the impact is being able to measure the impact that engagement has on your organization. And the way that occurs is, is to reward and recognize it. Do you have reward and recognition programs for engagement? Do, do I have leader awards or teamwork awards or peer recognition rewards? And I'm not talking about once a year. I'm talking about on an ongoing, consistent basis. It's why we love supervisor shout outs. It's why we love employee shout outs because they're they're at that moment at that time that something happened we call attention to it and then we celebrate it and the reason that we celebrate it is because it allows us to create a legacy it allows us to memorialize it allows us to get down in writing it allows us to have something that we can point to you know most countries most cities most organizations most teams have heroes they have heroes that do heroic things. Who are the heroes in your organization? When was the last heroic thing that somebody did for a customer that helped that customer to overcome an obstacle that they had? When was the last time one of your heroes made a difference and impacted a cost reduction in your organization or increased profitability or improved your product or streamlined your service? or help one of your customers be far more profitable or more successful or got more recognition. Those heroic moments done by your heroes in your organization are something that you need to memorialize and recognize. It makes your employees more loyal, they perform better, because if you don't do this type of engagement, then you get half effort, half committed, and once in a while you talk about it and you don't get the long-term enduring loyalty that you need to keep your very best employees around for long periods of time. You know, recognizing and acknowledging successful people that engage in your organization, whether that's at the front line, the supervisor level, or even higher up, is, is really, really important and significant, but equally significant is changing the behavior of those that don't. Because people have to buy into your culture, especially your leaders. Are you someone that, that leads with engagement? Because leaders can talk about engagement, but if they don't actually talk it and walk it, 
and model it, then it doesn't flow down through the organization. And if it's not flowing down through the organization, the problem may actually be you. Engagement is something that, that people talk about that they do, but, but they really don't. Here are the steps that you have to take to be an organization that has embraced engagement in your culture. It starts with, number one, workforce management time for your employees to actually receive and engage. That, that has to be a minimum of two minutes a day. I think it ought to be four minutes. Do you have that in your workforce management? Is that plan four? Do your employees have enough time to receive encouragement, to give encouragement, to see their customer feedback, to analyze their performance, to see where they are in maybe some of the gaming that they're doing, to be able to, to, be able to look at coaching tips, to be able to take a, a, a pulse check, to be able to see a news flash or a skill related to something that might improve their performance, reduce their AHT. If they don't have time to do this daily, you don't have a culture of engagement. But if you're willing to commit a couple of minutes a day or up to four minutes a day for your employees to receive and give this engagement related to their performance, related to how they feel, related to learning and quizzes, and connecting with other employees and challenging other employees and seeing different ways of measurement of your KPIs through gaming and leaderboards and solo challenges, what you'll do is you'll begin to build an opportunity for people to be engaged. Number two, it has to be a part of your weekly, monthly reviews. And it's not the last thing you look at. It ought to be the first thing that you look at. Make it a priority when you sit down and assess how you've done for the week. Start with engagement. Start with what your employee feedback is, employee survey scores are, how you're doing in learning, how you're doing in quizzes, how you're doing in news flashes and making sure that the news flashes that you're sending out, people are, are looking at those. We have a lot of clients that do disputes. They're using the, the technology to do disputes regarding either QM scores or maybe even customer feedback. And that's really, really important because it gives some credibility to making sure that there's some accuracy to the data that you're doing. Well, that's a reason for supervisors to engage. It's a reason for them to be in and connecting with their employees because the speed at which we recognize that the employee's got an issue and we respond to it, it's really valuable. So make sure that it's not the last thing you look at. Make sure it's the first one. Three is you need to measure engagement against other KPIs. Employees that are engaging, people that are going out of their way, how are they doing performance-wise? How do they do in turnover? Do people that actively engage, do they turn over more or less than your regular employees? You already know the answer to that. And it's particularly important to keep track of the engagement of your very best employees because they may not be engaged and it may not be something that they care about, and, but they're still spectacular frontline employees. But I, I do want to know if they're not engaged. I do want to know if they're unhappy. I do want to know if they've got concerns. I do want to know if they feel like they're not recognized and they're not given the right information or they're not given the tools necessary and skills to do their work. That's the kind of information we can use to reduce turnover. Number four is <clears throat> it needs to be part of every meeting that you have, not just your monthly or weekly meetings, whether it's your exec to C-Center manager, you know, C-Center manager to the supervised, supervisor, team leads, team leads to the front line. We should be talking about engagement. We should be talking about connection. We should talking, be talking about their engagement and their connection at all levels all the time. And, and when we do this, it becomes a part of our everyday speak. And if it's part of our everyday speak, it becomes more ingrained in our culture. We need to be trained on how to coach. Are, are, are you trained on how to coach? Are you trained on how to be coached? 
Do you know how to coach your direct reports? Do you know how to model the skills and acknowledgement and affirmations? And, and how do you sandwich between a, a particular subject? How do you discipline? How do you remind? How do you follow up? How do you get them to self-define and, and self-show you the areas that they're working on? All these coaching skills, you need to be able to have these to be successful. So you have to be able to model them first in order to be able to pass them on. And if your organization is not skilled at coaching, you need to start getting them coached up immediately. We need to commit to daily learning of skills and information. I've talked about quizzes. I've talked about coaching tips. If you want to change your AHT, it's the only way to change it. It's skills and information. If they have better skills and better information... If we can get them to physically show up in their seat and they have a positive attitude when they're there, you'll change AHT. You change AHT one employee at a time. So commit to daily learning in order to change your skills and information. And then finally, never waver on these. Never waver on engagement, even in tough times, even in times when call volumes are high. Don't blow off your one-on-ones. Don't blow off your rep's ability to be able to engage every day. I strongly suggest you allow them to gauge the very first thing that they do. Let them see what you have to say. Let them see what they've already done. Show them their performance in multiple different creative ways. You can do it in a couple of minutes. Allow them to provide you feedback on how they're feeling. Let them take a quiz. Let them engage or challenge another employee. Let them see what's going on. It's the best way to start their day. And then continue to give them access throughout the day with, with customer feedback. Because when you do that, you change their behavior. It's something to look forward through the day. I wanted to finish with a story. One of the things that we measure with our clients is we measure streaks. So we keep track of, let's say that they measure CSAT performance. How many perfect CSAT scores they've been able to attain in a row? How many days in a row their AHT has been exactly at the number that it was supposed to be? Those kind of streaks are huge because it forces, it doesn't force them. It encourages people that are on a streak, A, to have a longer streak, and then second, to keep the streak going because it forces you to pay attention to every call because you never know when you're going to get customer feedback. We've got a client in the Colorado area that has someone that is on a 231 in a row perfect CSAT scores. Do you think she's focused on every call? Do you think she's keeping track of every one that she does? And do you think she just started when she hit 230? Or do you think she started back when she was at 50 and then at 100? Do you think she's gotten more intense, more focused? There's streaks going on in your organization all the time. Are you engaged enough to know and two, are you following up to make sure that they know, and more importantly, that you know what they're doing? When you do that, it makes a world of difference. Being a great leader takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of focus. Do you have enough, do you have the, the, the desire to put in the hard work and the focus so that you can be a great leader? If you're listening to these podcasts, I know that's one of the steps and I'm grateful for doing it. But you also need to bring a mentor along, someone to help you and teach you. Someone in your organization, maybe somebody outside your organization. But if you don't have one, you should look for one. I have some podcasts on how to find a mentor. And then secondly, you also ought to be a mentor. You ought to be a mentor to someone else. And maybe it's not in every area. Maybe you don't have all the general business acumen or experience or leadership. Maybe you're not as decrepitly old as I am. 
But there may be some lanes that you can provide some real value in and you should and offer up your assistance. And then day to day, maybe your mentor doesn't have an area or skill or some sort of uh, capability that you'd like to know more, but maybe you have a peer. Maybe you have somebody that works in a different department. Maybe you have a neighbor that has a skill or something that you think you could use. Ask them. They're going to say yes. Maybe they'll say no, but odds are pretty good they're going to say yes. And if they say no, the next person will say yes. It's been great to talk to you this week. I'm always anxious to hear what you think. mtamer at proponisi.com. Yes, it's difficult. P-R-O-P-O-N-I-S-I.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I will connect if you reach out. Ask me a question, be happy to answer it, and also would be very pleased to talk about a subject that maybe you've got an interest in. And then because it's Christmas, I want to offer, if um, you've got an organization and maybe you have a monthly or a quarterly or a yearly meeting where you get together and you're looking for somebody to come in and speak on a particular topic, either on a Zoom or in person, ask me. I'll do it. I don't know how many I'm going to do, but I'm going to offer it. So if I can help, let me know. Reach out. I'd love to speak to your team on whatever subject it is you'd want me to talk about that you're focused on. Look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye now. You are being forwarded to the contact center coach.